Welcome to Talk Time with Max Contact, the podcast where we talk about the latest contact center and customer experience, industry news, and insights. Join us as we welcome industry experts, discuss actionable strategies you can apply to your business, and help professionals like you on your path to long-term career progression and success. I'm your host, Sean McIver. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talk Time with your host, I'm Sean McIver. In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Clayton Drotsky, currently the founder of his own Growth Crew Limited based in Bishop Stortford. 17 years of experience of leading contact centers around the globe has made him a phenomenon when it comes to driving up profits through inspirational and powerful teachings that work for those on the front lines in contact centers. Before choosing to be self-employed, he'd managed contact centers internationally from London for 2-3 Bird, where he led with the motto, good is expected, but we are memorable. Welcome, Clayton. What a motto to have. Thank you very much. It's just, um, you know, you reminded me of that motto because I guess you use the idea between behind the motto is to, to get people to feel part of something. So as much as it's, it means something, it's more about having people all sing the same song. You try as a leader to bring it up as often as you can. So it catches with the people and they then start saying it. And so like, so contagious, I, I guess you can say it like that. So coming up with that saying is that good is good. You know, I always say to like a radio station, if you listen to, oh, this is what I always said to, to customer service agents is if you listen to a well-known radio station, the weather reader is on or the traffic or the sports reader. You're just listening for the sake of listening. You're not even thinking about it. You're just listening and it's good, right? But then you go listen to maybe a university radio station where the traffic reader or the sport reader is not as experienced and then perhaps pronounce the names of the sports person incorrectly or the name of the town and they mumble or they stutter. And then you realize how good the other person was and how easy they make it sound. So what I always say is don't let a customer go to a different provider and then realize how good we are. Let's show them how good we are while they're on the phone with us. So that was the idea behind that specific motto. But really, it's about camaraderie and bringing in, bringing everyone closer because that's the best thing to do. What a great way to start us off as well. We're going to talk about leadership today. And obviously, you know, you've got huge amounts of experience within leadership. And it's clear across looking at your career and your background. And that's where I want to start. If you could just kind of talk me through, because you're one of the rare breeds who you started off in contact centers on the front lines yourself. And I want to frame this slightly differently. So through that lens, through that perspective, how did that affect your vision or your impression of what leadership means to you? And I'm going to add on to that. How does that contrast to your view and impression of management versus leadership? Like maybe all the people that work in contact centers, I also did not put my hand up at school and say, I'd love to work in one uh, when I grow up. I, as so many others, started very young in a contact center and needed money for my social life. And contact centers were dead easy to get into. So you get into one. And I think that was the first professional job I had because we spoke off camera a little bit earlier. And we just spoke about um, my experience working in a pub in the UK or 20 odd years ago. But I never really had a leader in that kind of respect. And then I realized how important it was when I was a contact center agent and what I, I could really, I could see what was good leadership because in a contact center, you have the one I was in at the time we started, we had just over 150 agents. So 
that would equal maybe 10 team leaders or 18 leaders plus managers. So you get a really good idea of what's good and what's not good from, from the perspective of an agent, like what motivates me, why I also want to feel good about myself, but who's making me feel good about myself from a leadership perspective. So that's kind of the first probably contact I had with what leadership means. And yes, for me, the difference was if you talk about management versus leadership, managers were good in terms of they made sure that the calls didn't drop. They made sure that someone was on the line. They made sure that the, they, they could see the stats and who was perhaps a better converter than the other one and stuff, stuff like that. That's what I would say. They managed the business part of it well, right? We needed eight agents on the phones at any given time. This is how you manage the schedule and those kinds of things. So that was great. But from a leadership perspective, it was really being able to have people rally behind you. And my story is, is probably different to many people out there. I know I'm very, very fortunate because I was somehow <laughs> recognized early on and I was leading a contact center within two years of starting in one. And the contact center was only my stepping stone, like so many others, to my big career. But I ended up spending, you know, 17 years in the contact center world. And I was fortunate. But when I became the leader, I had no clue what I was doing. And um, I, I went through a panel interview and I somehow came up, up on top. But I was fortunate to have an incredible, incredible uh, mentor, a lady well, I'm still friends with today, 20 odd years later. We only worked together for maybe two years, but man, she taught me so much in what she did and it resonated with my personality. You know, before she started, we went through a call center employee engagement survey. They're all the best places to work at the time. And we finished out of 10 call centers globally for this business, we finished last. Not good. So much so that the company decided to actually get rid of my director. I had just become the manager. So this lady was then shipped in from our European office. She's American, but she worked in our Dublin office or our Cork office, sorry. And she was shipped in. And, you know, Sean, without knowing me from a bar of soap, she immediately believed in me or trusted me. And um, she showed, she shared with me the game plan of what we were going to do. She cared for my insights. My opinion mattered. And um, I realized because of this, a couple of months later, I realized I was working really, really hard for this cause, but I was doing it because there was someone who believed in me, someone who saw something in me that they wanted to nurture and develop. So I wanted to prove them right. And then I realized, man, it didn't cost her a cent to get the very best out of me. She made me feel really good about myself. When I spoke, she listened. She made it feel like I was the only person on the planet. She was really curious about my development, interested in me. And I ran away with things. I was like, this is fantastic. She made me feel so good. You know, and I realized it cost her nothing but time to get that out of me. And I thought, well, this is a great way to get things, to get people to rally behind you, get people comfortable with you. And I did it to my team leaders and they did it to their agents. And we created a really, really special place where by the next year, when we had the same survey, we finished second of all the contact centers globally. And that was just because we care for the people. You know, so many times as leaders, we we look for that silver bullet. And I know it's always the rage now by saying it will 50x your business or 20x your business. You know, people are looking for that silver bullet that will put their name up in headlights and build in this legacy. As a leader, your silver bullet is sitting right in front of you. It is your people. I always say to leaders, what you're aiming for is discretionary efforts. 
where those people that are in your team go above and beyond because they want to, not because they have to. For them to do that, that's like the aha, the nirvana for leaders. In order for them to do that, they need to be comfortable around you, trust you, and you as a leader need to do a lot of things constantly well, but small things, don't spend any money. That's just what I, what I believe. And um, I was fortunate to have that experience. But for, for me, positive leadership, and that kind of set me up for my leadership style. Then I'm guessing from, again, I'm going to project a little here because I, I had a similar experience when I was kind of going through my career in, in internally within contact centers, very similar to yourself. And I hit a point whereby I'd had what I would consider, and this is subjective, and I'll caveat that right now because different strokes for different folks. I had experienced what I would consider to be poor leadership for what I needed. And then I went to a role whereby I had exactly the leadership that I needed and it was transformative for my perception. And it was always a, I've always looked back and thought in a leadership position, that's what I aspire to being. I think, you know, what would this person say? How would this person approach it? And I still put my own spin on it, but I found that's been really formative for me. And that's carried forward and it's formed a lot of my benchmarking of myself and others. Is that something that you found as well as you've moved through, you know, when you were working for the uh, previous company, one Two bird and, and then in your current role um, within your own business, Clayton, is that something that you've then carried with you as well? Definitely. I have just gone back on all my experiences in terms of what worked for me, in terms of uh, people, and I've carried that forward, definitely. That's all the experience you gain, you know, people always say experience is important. And when you're a youngster, you don't really think like, oh, whatever, you know, that's fine. But when you're actually 20 years into the game, it is very, very, you know, you can rely on that experience because you've been in very, in, in lots of situations, different situations, and you've been able to learn how to cope with those situations. So yes, definitely for me, I've had the Tony Soprano of leadership be my boss. And I've had this great experience that I've had. And, um, you know, as leaders, we might not know the impact we have and how positive it is because 20 years from now, we might not know the people or we might not be in contact with those people that we managed or led 20 years ago. But, but if you go in with the attitude that you'd love those people to sing songs about you one day, right? so every day you go in and every interaction and everything you do, your attitude is, I'm going to be the the, the leader of the best that I can be, because one day, hopefully, they will sing songs about me. Selfishly, that's how I, I thought about it. I thought, you know what? I want to make a difference. I want to make a, a real difference. How do I build meaning into what everyone's doing here? How does everyone feel like their contribution is super valuable? And that's what my focus was. And I'd like to think that hopefully one day someone says, man, you know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Clayton saying this. I don't know if that will happen. You might never know. But I went in with the thought that I hope that happens. Incredibly successful career within the contact center industry as a large global customer services and sales lead uh, when you were at Two Three Bird, and then you decided to step out on your own and you've set up Growth Crew Limited. Was there a trigger point for that that kind of made you go, right? This is the point. This is what I'm going to do. There was actually, you know, my. <laughs> I guess I'm going to say this a lot, but there's so many other people out there in contact centers. I met my wife and one in a contact center. <laughs> we worked together for a very long time. And um, she was in the marketing team and the enemy to ops, right? When you're in contact centers. But anyway, we met there and she's always told me to do this for myself. Um, she's always pushed me. I've never really had the courage. And she always says, you know, your comfort zone is great, but nothing will ever grow there and blah, blah, blah and all that stuff. But I never thought about it. I never had 
the idea of starting my own company. And then in 2021, um, November, I, w- I was 40 years old and I um, decided with a few friends back home in South Africa that we would cycle for a charity from Johannesburg to Cape Town, which is a thousand miles. And um, it was an incredible event. There was not just us, but there were runners as well, but the, we were the cycling team. And we raised, I think it's 72,000 pounds we raised for this charity, Make a Difference. And they they put people who can't afford it through university. And uh, it's one of Nelson Mandela, Francois Pino's charities from back in the early uh, 90s or middle 90s. So anyway, on this journey, it was the first time in my life I was actually giving something back. You know, obviously you give you give a little bit here and there, charity shops and things like that. But this was the first time I was doing something I, I feel of significance. I'd met these people that had been working for the charity for three decades, selflessly giving everything they had and never wanting anything in return, not even a thank you. Or they, they just did it because they, want, they, they had a purpose. And they made me feel really small. Like I felt so embarrassed that here I was, what the hell have I done in my life? You know, that's how I felt. And when I got back from that event, um, I said to my wife that I want to do more of this, but I know I can't do it if I'm working for the man. Let's call it that. So I started my own company with ideas of going back to South Africa in a few years from now and being able to be part of a solution, be part of a purpose. What that looks like right now, I can't tell you, but that's the idea. So that was the key moment for me to say, let me do it. Without much of a plan, I then started my own business, made thousands of mistakes, chased every shiny object known to man. I was looking for the silver bullet myself, but I realized I was talking about culture and I was talking a lot about, because I knew culture in call centers and contact centers, and I was talking about culture. And then I was talking about group leadership and I did a nice group leadership sessions and programs. I'm, I'm not a trainer at all. I never trained in call centers. I was a manager. And then I kind of found what really makes me tick, and that's the one-to-one leadership coaching. And I started that uh, beginning of this year by accident, really. And since then, I've thoroughly enjoyed that part of it is if you're a leader in the contact center, you've been for lots of training, right? And and this might be different for other people, but for me, that training was always great. The facilitators were always really good. But as soon as they left, two weeks later, you were back spinning plates, chasing your tail, no time to do anything else. And I found that what works nicely is I do a 90-day program with leaders on a one-to-one basis. And I find that really has a much bigger impact because it's one-to-one and there's, they're making commitments to me. I'm not doing anything. And it's, are they sticking to those commitments? And the results have been great. So, man, I really enjoy that part. It gives me a real buzz. That's incredible. And it, it leads into something as well that, that, that I wanted to bring up. And that was, you know, you, you mentioned cycling there. And a philosophy I know you've introduced previously in previous roles was, quote, we are cyclists helping other cyclists, making the experience for every customer memorable. And in doing so, creating promoters of our business, end quote. How did you come up with that? Um, um, can you just unpack that a little bit from a practical sense? It's back to the, the camaraderie. So although it's a slogan, I used to, I love the team coming up with slogans like this because I find that, and I always talk about this, is build meaning into what other people do is such a good key to success for any leader. If what I do matters to me, then I'm going to find more satisfaction in doing it. I'm going to enjoy it more and I'm going to naturally excel at it. 
So wherever I went, I always tried to build meaning into what every single person top to bottom contributes to the business and to the customer. So this was a slogan that's telling the people that worked at 23 Bird who were cyclists, many of them were cyclists themselves, helping other cyclists, you know, you're me, you're coming from a place where you know that cyclists, and this is funny because in, I always say in geography at school, you learned that the earth revolves around the sun, total nonsense. It revolves around cyclists, right? We are very self-involved. I mean, I'm one myself, self-involved people. Even if you don't cycle and we bump into you at a party, we will talk to you about our bicycles. And it doesn't, you know, we, we are those kinds of people. We, you know, when I'm off the bike, I don't like them, but I am the cyclist myself. So we kind of built that into it. And my philosophy was always the days of Wolf of Wall Street are, are gone. Right, we can't sell in that way. So, how do you sell without pitching? You can't say to the customer. You're not allowed to tell the customer, Sean, you want to go ahead with this? And can I have your credit card? Nothing like that. We add so much value to the customer that it becomes a no-brainer for them to say, "I need this." So, how do we do that? And that's kind of what I've followed through with my own company. But it's just building meaning into what people do. Um, one of the call centers I worked for was a holiday company. And okay, holiday is granted. They're easy to sell. Easier to sell than maybe insurance or life insurance or things like that. But we used to build meaning to the agents to say to them, they're not just facilitating a transaction. They are such a big part of the customer's experience. So they felt like a, their purpose was heightened because they left lots of meaning behind what they do. And that agents totally bought into that massive contribution that they were fulfilling, that value that they were bringing into the business by being those people that play a huge part in the customer's experience on their holiday. And I even heard those days, I heard the customer agents asking, customer service agents asking uh, customers what they want to smell when they're on holiday. You know, they were so involved in, because they felt so important and, and so valued by us. Those slogans that you read, those are just for me to build meaning into what people are doing so that they feel what they do matters. That's half the battle. They look forward to coming to work if they know what, what they do means a lot to everyone else. Absolutely. And again, it ties into that principle of, you know, no one sets out to come to work to do a bad job or to not do a good day's work. And it's about creating that environment and that motivation and that meaning behind the why. Why are we doing what we're doing? How are we achieving that? Which I think is, it, you know, you've spoken to that beautifully. To come back to the to the leadership then, and to circle back round and kind of bring this back round to the full, in broad terms, people set up a business, people strike out when they see a gap in the market or bringing something novel to the market. In your experience, where do you think that leadership as a profession, let's call it that, where do you think leadership within the contact center industry has those areas that are most needing improved that, that you help and support people to deliver? I think today, even in 2023, a lot of it is that that team leader manager level where there's sometimes not that much support. So many of those team leaders and managers and contact centers come from the floor. And it's great because they were probably very good at what they do and they probably did really well and they, they deserve to be where they are. But then they get bombarded um, with all this work. And they're managing up and they're managing down and they're spinning all these plates and they know what they need to do and they'd love to do what they know they need to do. They just, they can't find the time to do it. And then the expectation on them is that they need to fulfill, they need to bring the targets, they need to, they need to, so many one-to-ones, they need to do, you know, PDPs, all these kinds of different things. And from a manager level, you then go from team leader to manager and now you're managing your previous, your peers 
And yeah, I just feel that sometimes the support there still in 2023 is not, not where it should be. And two problems for me there is that the team, the, the leaders don't have enough time to do what's expected of them. And the, the effect of that is that the people that work for them don't feel valued or, contrib- or they feel that they contribute to them. There was a stat this year, uh, 2023, with Gallup's um, State of the Workplace in the UK. Four out of 10 people feel that they matter to the employer. That's not just contact centers. Granted, that's global. That's remarkable. Um, so what I help leaders do first and foremost is make more time for yourself by doing the basics right so that people do, do more, you know, all the delegation and stuff like that. So for me, I think that, Sean, is probably the place where leadership could do a lot more. And I know Martin talks about it often. You know, uh, in the team leader community, I've, uh, I saw his talk at the expo and he did like a, a challenge. And the number one thing that 300 team leaders wanted more was time. I think it feeds into conversations I've had recently as well. You know, we were, we were recently looking at the, the overall trend in 2023 and looking forward into 2024. And the theme was around efficiency and improving kind of the productivity aspect of it. And as part of that conversation, it touches on something you've just mentioned. And that was around the metrics that are measured. You know, if you look at an average scorecard for a contact center agent, generally you'll have quadrants and each quadrant will have multiple things. And actually it's about understanding what really matters and to quote the book, measure what matters rather than having all of these additional metrics that are simply supportive metrics for actually what you really want to achieve. And from a leadership point of view, the aspect that maybe many people don't see or appreciate or realize, and I think one that's worth shining a light on in this conversation is that as much as we say that at the at the front lines level you've got all of these metrics that you need to meet i would argue that's amplified as you move towards the leadership level because then you've got outside external influences that nobody beneath you necessarily sees but you still have to balance all of those demands and i guess my question to you then is as a new leader out there in the universe, in the contact center environment, and actually to the broader workplace, how do you balance that? How do you go about achieving that state of, I have all of these demands, here's how I ensure that I do focus my time, create that space and create that leadership quality that we've talked about? Is there, you know, I'm not saying there's a silver bullet, where do you even begin? I think, Sean, you probably also experienced this in your time is that once you're in the rut, it's difficult to get out of. I mean that everyday rut. It's difficult to get out of it because you then feel that you need to suffer some small short-term pain for long-term gain. And short-term pain might mean that you actually have to sit down and delegate more, teach your team more, to do more so that you have more time to strategize and do other things. But you almost can't get there because then you're dropping a ball in another place. So the balance is very, very tight. I would say um, the best thing to do is to understand that long-term, what you want to be able to do. So if it's managing upwards so that the priorities are and expectations are very, very clear, because management upstairs doesn't always see what's going on with you and you're still expected to do 18 one-to-ones this month. It's crazy how the expectation is is different to what can actually be done, the, uh, the reality I'm saying. So for me, I always help leaders in terms of saying, right, Let's get the, the team, the people aspect working properly. Because if that's working properly 
and running smoothly, everything else becomes easier for you as a leader. So think about being able to delegate stuff and trust people and believe in people. And then, you know, slowly bring people closer to the, to your team and why the team exists and what the team wants to achieve and the whys. And then they run with things. You know, I deal with leaders who are stuck in that rut and they've never thought of doing things differently. They've never hovered above their team like a helicopter, looked down and said, okay, this is the function of my team. These are the players. Am I doing it as efficient as I possibly can? And they, they often don't give themselves an opportunity to do that. Um, I always tell the story to leaders of, it's a Christmas dinner. And um, dad asks mom, hey, why do you cut the ends off the pork? And mom says, I don't know. My mom cuts the ends off the pork. So they phone granny and say, granny, why do you cut the ends off the pork? She says, I don't know. My mom used to cut the ends off the pork. So they phone great granny and they say, hey, great granny, why do you cut the ends off the pork? She says, so it can fit in my pot. But they, they all still, you know what I mean? So sometimes leaders are stuck in that way because they just don't hover like a helicopter above their, their team and, and see, you know, see efficiencies perhaps. And they don't allow themselves that opportunity which is so important because they don't want to give themselves the time. They don't have 15 minutes to think about that because they've got to get back to this manager and they've got to have a one-to-one with that person. And that's a rut they get into. Just on the back of what you just said, I'm going to throw out a question that maybe is unfair, but I think it's one that's worth asking. We know that at the front lines, the, the agents in contact centers, the frontline users in contact centers have a difficult job. It is a skill job that takes a lot of focus and it takes a lot of knowledge and it takes a lot of charisma and a whole range of skills that maybe are underappreciated to those who are not in the industry. I think to say that that is a known fact within the industry is not a surprise. Would it be fair to say that the same is true of leaders within the contact center industry in in actual fact, particularly the mid-range leaders? Is there an argument there that actually there's You've got the, 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 the heads of and the various you know, director level, you've got the frontline staff, and then in between those, we have these kind of these, these leaders of people. Are they something of unsung heroes within contact centers, given that they set the tone, they set that, the direction of the journey, the cyclists? And is that a fair statement, would you say? Definitely. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, no one wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to do a bad job or do my worst. And leaders are the unsung heroes. Those team leader manager levels are the unsung heroes because their intentions are good. They want to make it a great place. But sometimes they just focus on the wrong things, not their own fault. They've just never had the proper guidance or support to say, don't worry about it. And you know, you often find that you get your people pleasers or you get someone who can't handle confrontation, wants to be everyone's friend. So they want everyone to enjoy themselves at the office. They want everyone to like them. They want everyone to like each other, but they perhaps sometimes go about it the wrong way because when you do those kinds of things, there's many times that people won't take you seriously. And that's where leaders can get a bit of guidance in terms of what will get people to take you seriously is you being interested in their development and you helping them get to the next place and challenge them. That's what what will get them thinking, this guy's serious or this girl's serious, rather than making everyone a cup of tea and trying to make people happy. You often find that I've I've been working with a couple of leaders in in London and intentions, phenomenal, brilliant people, but also went about it the wrong way. and, And they found that they then just weren't taken as seriously as they could have been taken. So you want to get people comfortable with you because they need to understand your intentions are that you really care about them. You want to want what's best for them. You're not just always saying yes, or you're not just trying to avoid the bad behavior that you see or whatever that may be. Brilliant. My last question for you today 
is I spoke earlier on about we were looking forward to, to 2024 and that whole thing around efficiency. What do you see as being some of the, the biggest challenges the leaders of the forthcoming year, both existing and upcoming? What do you think some of their biggest challenges are as we move into next year? I think time is going to remain one. Definitely. And just coming from the call center expo a couple of weeks ago, I think system integration, there's a lot of companies out there that have very good technology that I'm sure many people would want. And it's that integrating the systems, you know, and the team leader is that, or the manager is that person stuck in the middle between testing and making things work and relaying the message to all the other agents who don't want to change. Why should we change? Don't understand it. So there's that whole conundrum of, okay, this is where we're going with this new processes and people don't always believe in that because they don't understand, they might not understand it. And that's why I love talking about the game plan and sharing the game plan from the beginning, making sure that everyone understands and you don't have to go through every minor detail because not everyone wants to know that, but just sharing the game plan as to why we got to this place. So when people talk about there's going to be some changes coming, we all, we all automatically dig our heels in because of self-preservation. Rather the devil we know than the devil we don't. We don't want change, Clayton. But if I come to you with the same message, but I say, hey, you know, Sean, guys, we, we've got some decisions to make. Then it's a whole different ballgame because I'm saying we have decisions to make. So I'm making every, everybody feel like this is, we're all part of this. And because I'm a manager and because I'm more privy to the numbers and the reasons why we're perhaps taking on a new system or whatever it may be, I can say, this is where we're at as a company. This is the new system. These are the cost savings. This is what we can actually achieve with the new system. The old system's limitations, blah, 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 blah. And you can actually make it uh, communicate the reasons why very nicely. But it's a decision we're making for the better of all of us, not just the change we're making. So it's that communication that sometimes people need help with. You know, I saw so many good companies at the expo and I think they all do sell the silver bullet, right? Um, and especially AI was mentioned at every corner of that expo. I think maybe two chats did not have AI mentioned in it. So it's that, it's that integration, I think that's coming, that's going to be where the leaders, they don't need to be part of every single IT meeting from the infancy of the project, they don't, but they need to be part of it before they get to know about it because you've been there. The system is phenomenal. It gets launched and no one thought of the user and they're going, guys, well, you can't work like this. So yeah, the, the leaders need to be part of that implementation at, at some point, but not at the end. Amazing. No, I, I would agree. I think looking ahead, you know, seeing what's coming down down the line with the, you know, the launch of AI and the acceleration we've seen there and everything else, that does make sense. Awesome. Unfortunately, as much as I would love to continue speaking and we have to call it there, unfortunately, I do want to take a moment and say Clayton Jotsky, founder and director of the Growth Crew Limited. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Really appreciate your time and hopefully get a chance to speak again in the future. Lauren, thank you so much to you for providing a platform like this for people like me to talk about what we're passionate about. So it means a lot and I super appreciate it. Thank you very much. No problem at all. Thank you. Talk Time is brought to you by Max Contact. To find out more about Max Contact and how our customer engagement software can help you and your teams provide smarter customer experiences, visit maxcontact.com and book your personalized demo today. Be sure to search Talk Time with Max Contact in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. And leave us a positive rating to help other like-minded individuals join the conversation. 
Finally, before you go, never miss a future episode by clicking the subscribe button and turning on notifications. On behalf of the team here at Max Contact, thanks for listening.